Hey everyone, welcome back to the Missio podcast. Uh, this is Daniel Jarko. I'm filling in for Jared today, um, but we're still continuing our series on the way of Jesus. And this week we're looking at loving our enemies. And one of the things that I find really compelling about this particular way of Jesus is just that by definition, it's hard for all of us right? Uh, none of us want to love our enemies. And if we did want to love them, uh, they wouldn't be our enemies. So the very nature of the command itself, this way that Jesus is giving us to live, is by definition very difficult. And I think because of that, it really tests our faith to the core in many ways. Um, it causes us to question Maybe how far we're willing to trust Jesus and trust in his way of being in the world. Um, there's just something about loving our enemies that is, is challenging. But at the same time, it's the, that, that very thing is the thing that makes it so compelling. It's the thing that makes it different from other, uh, you know, just another religious guru might teach us to love, right? You know, there's a common saying that all religions just teach us to, uh, to love other people. Um, and perhaps that's true in some ways, but I don't know many that are calling us to love our enemies even. Isn't that just kind of how our world works, where we love the people who are like us, and we love the people who we like, we love the people who treat us well, and on the other side, if someone doesn't treat me well, there's some line at which when they go past that, they're unworthy of love. They're unworthy of the dignity and respect that I would like to receive, but instead I have to return to them the same kind of bad thing, mean thing, even evil thing that they've done to me, where they've uh, crossed over from being a neighbor and into an enemy that I can then justify the way that I treat them. And one of the things that I think about a lot with this is, um, as American Christians, is there any realistic situation that we would find ourselves loving our enemies? You know, sometimes um, there, there are things like this where there are just very clear um, commands, directions from Jesus, ways of being that he's teaching us, and yet we've found so many excuses to those things that there's no realistic way that we practically live that out, right? We've found so many justifications for the way that we treat people that we just don't even end up getting to the clear commands of Jesus and what he says um, and how, how he teaches us to treat people. There was a lot of these that I, I thought about um, this week. I, I guess one of them that you know, is probably on a lot of our minds and one of them that we've experienced for much of our life, but maybe in a very particular way over the last couple of years is think about political enemies. I mean, we live in an, in an incredibly divided time where um, you listen to the rhetoric of many people and it would seem like there are only two types of people in our nation. There's, there's red people and there's blue people, and they're all the same. All of them are the same, but they're the complete opposite, right? Red is opposite of blue, blue is opposite of red, and each of those groups are like 
all the same. They're just one monolithic being, and whichever one you ascribe to, you think the other is is the enemy. They're evil. They're worthy of disrespect, not the respect that comes from being a human being. I think we've all experienced that, um, especially over just a very divided um, number of years. You think about um, some of our national enemies and the way that our national identity as Americans can cause us to actually see people from other nations as enemies because of what our nation is doing. And you think about um, people in Russia or Afghanistan or China, for many people, these people are viewed as as enemies. They're not um, people that are worthy of respect. They're people to be feared. Um, people that don't demand love and dignity, but demand a harsh stance, a retaliatory stance towards. And oftentimes we can make the same kind of excuses in our interpersonal relationships where, um, you know, I hear a lot, uh, you know, it has become very common, especially uh, I think with with students and younger people um, in the name of self-care that we can just very quickly cut people off and say, no, this person is not good for me, right? You hear that a lot. We say that a lot. We make those excuses a lot of like, you know, this, this person is not good for me, so I'm, I'm cutting them off. And I think legitimately there may be some situations where abusive behavior, where manipulative behavior, um, there, ha- you know, there has to be boundaries there. I think we all understand that or, or, or should understand that. But at the same time, sometimes we're so quick to do that that we never even consider that this could be a person that Jesus is calling us to love. And so um, as we go into the teaching for today, um, we want to look at a few passages from the Sermon on the Mount. And there's kind of, we're going to combine two different sections where Jesus talks about non-retaliation, and then that leads into loving our enemies. And so we're going to pick out a few things from there. And then um, just think briefly about how Jesus then lives this out in his life and through especially his death at the hands of his enemies. Um, and then end, hopefully, in a call where, where we say, how do we push each other to love our enemies more? And so um, this is from Matthew 5, um, starting in verse 38. So this is uh, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is going through several things where um, there's this pattern of saying, you've heard it said, And then, now I say to you. And so in this particular section, he's addressing retaliation, and this is what he says. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. 
And so this starts off, um, he's really addressing this part of the, uh, the Mosaic law that's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And really, at the time, this was designed to stop this idea of blood feuds or, or uh, endless cycles of retaliation. And so rather than, you know, one person does something, the other person responds worse, and so on and so on and so on, this is designed to stop that, to say the, there must be a payment, a repayment um, of like kind. So an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You don't retaliate more through just, justice demands that something be done, but it be done um, in the same kind. And so this is how it was done in the Mosaic Covenant. But Jesus comes and he says, no, we are a people of mercy, actually. Not just of justice, but of mercy. That there are times in which um, not just a, an eye for an eye, but if someone does something evil to us, if somebody does something that harms us, there are times in which we do not retaliate. We do not resist that. We don't um, take it upon ourselves to avenge those things. And I find this, this uh, verse really interesting. Do not resist the one who is evil. I was thinking about that this week of, you know, do, do you think that's um, something that Jesus thinks that, you know, you should never resist a, an evil person? Is that the idea where, like, we're just um, supposed to accept abuse and, um, you know, just, just accept it, take it on, never say anything about it, just, you know, suffer in silence. Is that the idea here? And it, it led me into a lot of different thoughts, but one of the things that's interesting about the way that this verse is worded is it's actually unclear whether this is talking about, uh, or should be translated, do not resist the one who is evil, talking about an evil person, or if the idea is, do not resist by evil means, or don't use violence to resist evil. I think that's really interesting, because I think either way, it helps us make sense of what Jesus is, is talking about in this moment. Because he actually, even in the examples he shows, there's not a suffering and silence but a different kind of resistance to the people and the situations that he's talking about, right? When someone slaps our right cheek, we don't just accept that and move on and try to forgive uh, in our own internal processes. No, we give the other cheek. There's actually this resistance in give, giving the other one to accept disrespect. In the same way with the tunic, you know, don't just accept someone taking the tunic out of greed from you, but also give the cloak to them also. It's like, it's as if by offering ourselves up for more hurt, we perhaps shame the other person into thinking about their own actions. You know, that's kind of the classic example of like, a, if a bully is hitting you, um, sometimes if you just, uh, you know, accept it, if you don't fight back, the bully uh, loses interest because this is, this is not as fun for that person. And that's true. This is something that 
it's one of the brilliance of Jesus's teaching is that by giving the other cheek, by going the extra mile, we stop the cycle of escalation and actually disempower the cycle of violence where it says, you can do whatever you want to me, but I'm not going to respond in kind. And this actually is redemptive in the sense that it gives the other person a meaningful difference to cause them to think about what they're doing. To think about, is this the type of person that I want to be? Am I the type of person who hits someone and just keeps hitting them? And I find that fascinating. I find it amazing. I find it um, very subversive in the way that we think about our relationships. You know, we think about um, just some of our relationships that have uh, blown up, you know, or have gone poorly. Now, would they have gone better if we had this way of being, if we had this redemptive posture of, I'm not going to meet evil with evil, but I'm going to overcome evil with good. And so we resist, but we don't resist by evil measures. We're not will- there are things that we are just not willing to do to another person. You know, if we confront another person about, something that they've done to us. We're going to do it in the fruits of the Spirit, with self-control, with gentleness, with love, with patience, with kindness. We're not going to berate someone. We're not going to tear them down because they've torn us down. We're not certainly not going to resort to violence, to meet violence. And so Jesus continues in verse 43, says, You've heard that it is said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons and daughters of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, What more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be complete as your heavenly Father is complete. So Jesus moves into the section about loving our enemies. And he says, you know, what reward do we have if we just love those who love us, who we love? Uh, is this just not the way that the world generally works? That's how everybody works. And he even uses this example of tax collectors who, for many of the hearers of this original um, preaching, the tax collectors would have been their enemies. And so he actually uses their enemies as an example of, are you not just like them? Do not even them, do not even your enemies love the people who are like them? And, and you are feeling self-righteous about it. It's kind of, it's this way of kind of calling us out of that self-righteous attitude and into an attitude that is like our Heavenly Father, who loves and does good to the just and the unjust, the people who love him and the people who don't love him. He continues to do good for all people. And so Jesus is inviting us into that very same attitude towards the people around us. And I love how this ends because 
Um, like we talked about on Sunday, sometimes this verse 48 is um, translated as, therefore, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Oftentimes, uh, when we think of perfection, we think about uh, sinlessness or something like that. That's really not the idea of this at all. The idea is completeness or maturity. The idea is that we would love in completeness in the same way that our Heavenly Father loves completely. He loves the world completely. He loves all the people in it. He doesn't, um, he continues to do good for them. He continues to seek their good, to seek for them to love and to be loved by him. And so we are called into the same kind of complete love, the same kind of maturity of love that doesn't just say, I'm going to love the people who are like me, but I'm going to find practical ways to love the people who, even the people who I disagree with bitterly, the people who are my political enemies, national enemies, the people who just bug me into interpersonally, the people who have actually done harm to me, the, those family members who have done harm to me. I'm not going to count, this as enemy, count them as enemies in the way of saying they do not deserve my love and respect. No, I'm going to live into the completeness of God's love, which is that I would show love and care to them even when they don't deserve it. And Lord willing, when I don't deserve it, people will do the same to me. And I know uh, I can speak for all of us in that there's been a lot of people in our lives who have showed us that kind of care. When we've been the one who have done evil or have hurt feelings, who have hurt others, people have shown us kindness that we didn't deserve. And so we try to be like our Heavenly Father who shows that type of undeserved, graceful kindness to others. I love how we see this teaching of Jesus, but then it's it's illuminated in Jesus's life that the whole story of him coming to earth to become like us, even while we were against God, that he comes to become like us, is killed by his physical physical enemies, and even in the midst of that, he's asking for their forgiveness and is willingly taken to death so that those very enemies could be redeemed, could be forgiven, could be um, brought into God's kingdom of love. And so far from reading these texts in isolation and finding justifications and excuses for why we shouldn't love people, the story of Jesus, his life, as well as his teaching, show that we have no business to be able to do that. His, his very death and resurrection um, actually uh, takes away all of those excuses. It shows the way the depths to which Jesus believed this and acted in this himself and the great depth that he wants us to also live into that. You know, his life brings out the very meaning of these texts, the depth to which we are to go to love our enemies. And so there are times that we should resist evil. 
think it's clear throughout the story of Jesus that there are times where he resists evil. He calls out evil practices in the Pharisees and others. However, at the same time, we see him consistently loving them. He's open to their repentance. Uh, when he's coming into Jerusalem, the very city of people who are going to kill him a week later, we see him weeping over the city, desiring for them to know the way of peace rather than the way of violence. And this is the same way that we should love our enemies. That we don't um, not speak the truth. We don't um, let abuse keep happening. And at times we put up boundaries, especially, especially when you're talking about like as a community of believers, we put up boundaries for each other to not be hurt. And especially the most vulnerable in our churches and in our society, we put up boundaries so those people can't be hurt. But at the same time, there's something that's in us because we're followers of Jesus that says, I will not retaliate. I will not resist by evil means. I will not use violence. I will not use the same tactics of, um, of tearing down that um, is all too common in our world. And I think as, as people of faith, this is something that we have to push each other to. That, like we started off, um, loving our enemies is challenging for all of us. By definition, it's going to be hard to love our enemies. By definition, uh, also, when we are hurt, that's when we don't think the clearest. <laughs> you know, when I'm hurt, whether it's uh, emotionally or physically, I don't think that clearly. That's the very time in which I need people to help me think clearly, to help me live into my more deeply held values rather than living into those almost animal instincts of you hurt me, so I must hurt you. And so that's why we need our, our, our community. You know, we're a community of people who are seeking to live in the way of Jesus, and so this is not an, inner, an uh, individual exercise of faith. This is a community exercise of faith where when I'm struggling to love someone, I need you to help me love them. I need you to say, hey, I, I understand that you are hurting right now, but together we're going, I'm going to carry that hurt with you and we're not going to respond in kind. We're not going to turn around and hurt this person. And we may even find ways that we can practically show care for them. And that's a hard road because there's something within us that just grates against that. We want to respond in kind. <laughs> we want to get back. We want to have revenge. And yet Jesus calls us into that complete, mature perfected love of God that's for all people, even our enemies. And so as we're finishing up, just want to state again, um, oftentimes these texts have been used uh, really against the most vulnerable people in our society. I think about, um, for example, uh, 
people who have experienced abusive marriages, there can be this attitude of, well, you just need to forgive them. You need to, um, you know, try to treat them well and just, you know, accept the abuse. You think about how kind of similar ideas have been used against racial minorities as they seek a more just society and a more peaceful place to live. Um, That's a misuse of these texts. You know, as we're trying to live into the way of Jesus, um, we want to be a protective community where um, we, we are very outwardly against abusive practices in all of their manifestations, whether it's um, physical or mental, the way that we speak to each other, emotional, all of the ways that that manifests itself, we're against those things. And in an abusive relationship, that person has a responsibility to uh, to the other person in terms of not responding in kind, but there's also a way in which we set boundaries that perhaps we leave. We, you know, set up ways that abuse doesn't go on when we have the ability to do that. But at the same time, as a community, we're saying we're not going to retaliate against that person. We're not going to um, stoop to that level. We're not going to respond in kind to that. And I think that's really what the, the, the vision that Jesus is putting before us is that in those moments in which we are hurt by other people, uh, we may not have positive feelings towards them, but we are still going to bear the fruit of the Spirit when responding to them. You know, for example, we've talked a lot about racial justice over the last several years, and um, there are people in our nation that, you know, I might consider as political enemies in the sense of, I think they're fighting against justice. And there are people who genuinely are fighting against justice, and that, I believe, is evil. And yet, at the same time, I can't treat them badly because of that. If I treat them as less than human, if I degrade their dignity as a, per, as a person made in the image of God, that's wrong. That's not what Jesus taught. No matter what a person is pushing for, whatever, whatever evil a person does, as people of faith, we are, are called into this vision of human flourishing that is love for even people who do terrible things. We're fighting for things that are genuinely evil. So as a community at Missio, we want to be living in this way of Jesus. We want to be people who are characterized by Jesus's way of living. And so I'd really encourage you next time, next time you feel at, at enmity with someone, if someone hurts you, ask someone else from Missio or trusted friend or family member. Bring them into that to help you in that process. Uh, I've, I do this all the time when I'm feeling hurt because I'm not thinking clearly in those moments. I need the people in my, my life to give me the grace and empathy that I need, but I also need them to push me to say, 
let's not respond in kind to this. Let's, let's keep following in the way of Jesus so that we can also be people of grace, people of complete love for one another. So that's been the continuation of our series, The Way of Jesus, and looking at how Jesus calls us into loving our enemies. And so um, blessings on your week. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you.